Today on the podcast, we want to put you to sleep, but in a good way. Through these anxious and stressful times, you may notice a decline in your quality of sleep. If you find yourself having low energy throughout the day or are tossing and turning through the night, you'll definitely want to pay attention. Christina Pascucci is talking with the sleep doctor, Dr. Michael Bruce, one of the country's best known sleep specialists. He shares some truly useful information and tips to help you get a better night's rest. He reveals some of the quarantine bad habits that could be keeping us up at night. I know I'm guilty of a lot of them, and I think you'll be surprised that you probably are too. During this COVID-19 pandemic, maybe you've even started experiencing weird or scary dreams, now being called quarantine dreams. Heck, the other night I had a dream involving Danny DeVito. It wasn't scary, but it was weird. Christina shares details about her own quarantine dream, and Dr. Bruce offers an explanation on why so many people are experiencing these bizarre nightmares and how to possibly avoid them. Here's Christina's conversation with Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> let's talk sleep overall. Uh, we know it's beneficial for our health. I've I've read all the books that have scared me straight, especially as someone who wakes <laughs> up at 2, 3 a.m. for work. What do you think are the most important takeaways for people when it comes to sleep? So when you're thinking about sleep, the research actually boils down to a few basic things that if everybody just did them, they would sleep better. So step number one is to wake up at the same time every single day, including the weekends. So if you're a 6.30 riser during the week, you should be a 6.30 riser on the weekends. And there's science behind why this is recommended. So when we wake up, we get sunlight, which actually turns off the melatonin faucet in our brain and starts our circadian day. If that happens very consistently, then our brain knows how to do that. And what we discover over the course of time is the amount of sleep that we need begins to shrink. Mm. Yes, you heard it here. You can actually (laughs) lower the amount of sleep you need by being consistent in your wake-up time. You notice I didn't say bedtime. It's really more all about the wake-up time. So step number one, choose one wake-up time and stick to it. Got that. What if you're waking up, though, at 3 a.m.? I have to wake up at 3 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday? So you take the time that you have to wake up for the most days of the week, and that becomes your wake-up time. So if you have uh, an aberration like what you do, which is you have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, which we don't even need to discuss why that has to happen because I can't (laughs) imagine a good reason why that's happening. Right. But if the fact that it does happen, if it's only happening two days a week, then you can create a situation where you can wake yourself up, do what you need to do, and not have it completely destroy your whole week. But generally speaking, pick your earliest wake-up time and choose it and go with it. Oh, boy. Step number two is um, to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. So most people don't realize it, but caffeine has a half-life, which means half of it comes out of your system in eight hours. Right. So if you stop at two by 10, half of the caffeine has left your system, which should make it a little bit easier to fall asleep. Um, Now, to be fair, um, I oftentimes ask by people, they say, well, look, Dr. Bruce, I can drink a cup of coffee and go right to sleep. What's that all about? It, It appears as though people have different caffeine sensitivities. However, if I put electrodes on your head right after you have a cup of coffee and you try to fall asleep, the quality of the sleep that you're getting is crap. So do me a favor, stop drinking caffeine by 2 p.m. and you have a much greater likelihood of improving both the quantity and the quality of your sleep. 
Step number three has to do with alcohol. Ah. To be clear, there's a really big difference between going to sleep and passing out. Okay. So we don't like the passing out. We do like the going to sleep. It's weird to me that alcohol is the number one sleep aid in the world because it's actually the thing that affects your sleep in the negative in one of the worst ways. Let me explain what it does. So while alcohol makes you feel sleepy, it actually knocks out stages three and four sleep, which is your physical restoration. Literally half the reason that you get a hangover is the the alcohol is not allowing you to get into stage three, four sleep and repair your cells. And it's due to dehydration. Remember, alcohol is a diuretic, so it makes you pee right before bed. Mm -hmm. Most people also don't know that, by the way, sleep in and of itself is a dehydrative event. Um, Just from breathing um, out of the humidity in your breath, you lose almost a full liter of water every night. That's insane. I can't, isn't that crazy? So going to sleep after having had a bunch of wine is never a good idea. So here's the rule is if you stop drinking three hours before lights out, you're in good shape. Now you can't just go crazy. Like you can't go on a bender and have 12 glasses of whatever. So here's how it works. You drink one glass of alcohol, drink one glass of water, wait one hour. You drink two glasses of alcohol, drink two glasses of water, two hours. Here's the problem when you go above two drinks. The data is very consistent. Number one, you lower immune function dramatically. So during times like now, you shouldn't really be drinking. If you are drinking, right, you need to understand that the alcohol is absolutely positively going to affect you differently after two drinks. For many people, it actually gives them energy. Um, And for many men, not only does it give them energy, but it causes a level of aggression. Mm. I can't think of anything worse when you've been cooped up in your house for the eight weeks with your family to go and decide to drink a bottle of wine at, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon. Like it's just a bad idea. Bad combo. Perfect storm. I remember you said something so interesting though, about taking naps. And you said that if you Mm -hmm. drink coffee and then nap right right before the nap. Yeah. So that is called a napa latte. I've coined the term myself. Thank you very little. (laughs) And um, this is used for people when they're when they haven't gotten enough sleep. So you drink a cup of black drip coffee. Just throw in a couple of ice cubes to cool it down. You drink the whole thing as fast as you can, then close your eyes immediately. Take a twenty-five minute nap. The science behind this is is that there's this stuff in your brain called adenosine. Um, when you're sleeping, your brain burns through that adenosine and is literally waiting just behind the adenosine in that receptor site. It fits in perfectly, and you're good for four hours. Um, but you don't want to do one of these Napa lattes, as I call them, after about 2 p.m., or it's going to affect your sleep. Mm, got it. So step number four has to do with exercise. Mm-hmm. So exercise is the single best way to improve the quality of your sleep, generally speaking, specifically during times of COVID. It, this is the biggest problem that we're having in relationship to sleep. Nobody's moving, yeah. right? I saw a tweet the other day from a celebrity that says, I've taken 200 steps and it's two o'clock in the afternoon, right? <laughs> yeah. Like normally you'd be at 6,000 steps by two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, so that level of movement is not helping us because what's going on is, remember, sleep is recovery, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Our bodies sleep in order to recover. If we haven't done anything to recover from like move, guess what? Our body gets into light sleep and then it's easier to wake up and we feel more fatigued and then this rapid cycle keeps going around and around. Exercise daily, but don't exercise too close to bedtime. So you want to stop exercising four hours for bed because otherwise the internal heat that you generate will prevent you from being able to fall asleep. So if you've noticed, 
each step has a number and that number corresponds to what you do in the step. Yes. Right. So in, in summary, step number one is stick to one wake up time. Step number two is to stop alcohol, uh, caffeine by 2 PM. Step number three is to stop alcohol three hours before bed. Step number four is to exercise daily, but stop exercise four hours before bed. And step number five, which is my final step is when you wake up in the morning, grab a bottle of room temperature water, and drink it while standing in the sun and giving the sun a high five. What do I mean by that? Just stand outside for 15 minutes let the sun hit your face. Mm-hmm. Okay. 90% of people are vitamin D deficient. So number one, you can help with your vitamin D deficiency. Number two, sunlight turns off that melatonin faucet in your brain and helps wake you up. Again, if you do that within 15 minutes of awakening each day, the amount of energy that you will have for that day, you probably won't even need caffeine. Is there a so, fake sort of sunlight uh, source you can use if you wake up in the middle of the sure. night to work? Yes, there is. You can buy a light box. So there are commercially available light boxes. You can get them on Amazon for less than 100 bucks. Um, my favorite is called the Go Light, G-O-L-I-T-E. It's made by Philips Respironics. I, I bought one and I keep it in my suitcase because I use it for jet lag when I travel. It's pretty amazing. I mean, you have clients who are royalty who pay you to to schedule out when exactly they should sleep when they're, you know, jet setting around the world and it, it really it's it makes a monumental difference. Yeah, it does. It's, it's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, so, it really is. So how it's incredible. do you think it's changed during COVID? What are what are the biggest shifts uh, that you're seeing? So the biggest shift is of course no travel. Right. And so with many of my clients, because I deal with, you know, celebrities and athletes, politicians, CEOs, travel is usually one of the biggest disruptors. And so I have a very specific algorithm that I work with people to teach them how to uh, sleep better, um, how to deal with jet lag, very specific caffeine melatonin, napping and light therapy in particular orders um, to be able to completely zap jet lag altogether. And now to be fair, I didn't think, right? So I started working on these algorithms with some people and they came back to me and they're like, try this. So I actually, um, I know this, but my daughter was studying in Beijing this year, not really the best year to be studying in Beijing, just to say we had to evacuate her in January. But when I went over there, I used this algorithm and I got to tell you something, it works like a charm. I used it to Portugal. I've used it to Taiwan. I've used it all over the world. We actually made it commercially available for people. So if you go to timeshifter.com, we can put that in the show notes. Um, you can download it for free. If you use the code, the sleep doctor, you get your first two jet lag plans for free. So that's one thing. Mm, Sure. Happy to do it. That's one thing that I've noticed is that the travel has changed people's sleep. Mm-hmm. But the biggest things is because people are not commuting, they're sleeping in. So they're not waking up at the same time every day. So that's messing with them. The second biggest thing that they're doing is their eyeballs are hurting from looking at Zoom screens all day. So they're taking naps during the day when they shouldn't be, which is affecting their ability to fall asleep at night. And then, of course, the movement aspect that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, if you really want to pour gasoline on the fire, just add all the excess caffeine and all the excess alcohol that people are drinking right now. And you have a gigantic mess when it comes to people's sleep. <laughs> and hence probably the rise in the quarantine dreams. Let's talk about those. Yep. So quarantine dreaming is very, very interesting. So first of all, if people are out there and they're experiencing stress-related dreams or scary dreams, nightmares, that is normal. 
let me be very clear. We're arguably in the most anxious time we've ever had in our in most people's lives, right? I mean, when can you imagine that the that the government told you you have to stay in your home? I, I honestly didn't even think it was possible. Yeah. Um, so I would argue that the level of stress that's going on is tremendous, and it's not just the stress of well, we don't know when we're going to get out of our homes. It's well, I've been locked in my house for eight weeks. I love my family, but I'm not so sure I wanted to stay in the same home with them for eight weeks, 24 hours a day, right? Yes. So there's a lot of stress that's involved in that. There's a lot of stress involved in the future. When, when are we going to get out? Are, is anybody going to have a job when we do get out? Um, what is going to happen? All, all of those things are compounding the level of stress. So one of the things that we know that's called dream theory is, you know, why do we have these dreams? Well, we think that part of the reason we have these dreams is to rehearse um, situations for when we're awake. So the fact that you're dreaming about all this crazy stuff should not come as a surprise, number one, and it's actually very positive, number two, because it means your brain is trying to deal with the stress of what's going on. So don't be upset by these corn dreams. And to be fair, they're very vivid. Um, and they can be quite scary. So how do we do, could we do anything to change the content, Michael, of our dreams? The answer turns out to be yes. Um, there's a wonderful researcher out of the University of New Mexico. His name is Dr. Barry Krakow. And he came up with an online nightmare treatment that is spectacular. Let me tell you how it works. You write out your entire nightmare, every single thing you can possibly think about it, except at the end, when supposedly you get axe murdered or killed or fall off the cliff or whatever bad thing happens to you, you flip the script, okay? Ah. And, and you become the victor, not the victim, if you will. Yeah, that would be really helpful with my dream from the other night that I told you about. Yes, the, the big megalodon shark thing that's after you. <laughs> yes, it was a megalodon, and then I'm a pilot, so I tried flying above it, but the marine layer came in, and then sharks uh, started flowing down a river. It was very dramatic. I mean, this sounds more like Sharknado than it does, <laughs> it does. the megalodon to me. That was a great show, by the way. So, so here's the thing, is when you flip the script, change the ending so that you become the victorious one, and then read the nightmare all the way through three or four times just before bed. And over the course of seven to 10 days, you will change the ending of the dream. Wow. Isn't That's that like cool? Sleep therapy or something. It is sleep therapy, dream therapy, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, very interesting. So it's, it's fascinating, but you can do something even less structured than that, which is just be more positive before bed. There's a great study looking at optimism before bed. And what we've discovered is when you're optimistic, not only do you fall asleep more quickly, you have more pleasant dreams, which seems like something we could all use right now um, in particular. Yeah. So, what, so what I'm oftentimes telling people to do is, hey, gratitude list before bed, right? Mm -hmm. Put yourself on a media diet before bed. You don't need to know how many people died of covid 30 minutes before you go to sleep. Yeah. Okay. You just don't need to know that piece of information. I get it. If you want to know it earlier in the day, go for it. Right. 30 minutes before bed, give yourself a break. Yeah. No self-help books, no media, watch a romantic comedy. Okay. <laughs> or a regular a comedian or something fun, something happy, something healthy, something that you can do to allow yourself that time. I'm telling people now, you know, look, if you don't have a commute any longer, use that time to exercise mm -hmm. or use that time for some self-care, you know, and what does self-care mean? It might just be reading a book you've been waiting to read, you How know, does meditation impacts sleep. 
So it's interesting when you look at meditation in particular, because meditation initially was not designed for sleep. Um, it was actually designed to bring, bring people present, right, and to give people an awake time or energy. Um, there are meditations that are specific to help you relax and fall asleep, and there are things like progressive muscle relaxation, which is um, not necessarily a meditation, but more of a flexing and relaxing of muscles that can be quite helpful. Um, as a matter of fact, I created a, uh, a landing page on my website for people that have, uh, actually gives people a free progressive muscle relaxation if they're interested if people go to uh, www.thesleepdoctor.com forward slash sleep hyphen pandemic and then you'll learn all of my recommendations about what to do during covid for sleep stress reduction and then what to do if you actually catch covid how those recommendations mm -hmm. change what about if someone is you know, trying to go to sleep, the stress of the world is heavy upon them. They can't get out of their head. Mm -hmm. What are some recommendations to help someone overcome that? Well, so, I mean, this might sound like a strange recommendation, but I don't think cannabis is a bad idea at this point. Um, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I live in a, in a state where we have it both medicinally and recreationally legal. Um, there are a lot of people who are looking to cannabis to see if it can be helpful for them for sleep. Um, I've written several articles on what you should look for in a cannabis product, if that's something that you wanted help with. Um, also, there are supplements that people can take that can be very effective. Magnesium turns out a wonderful thing that people can take if you're not interested in the cannabis thing. Um, if you're interested in being able to make sure that your body is supplemented correctly, believe it or not, most people are deficient in magnesium and it, it functions on 300 different things in our body and sleep turns out to be a big one. So, you know, having magnesium at night, whether that's through uh, an edible source like bananas um, or making my recipe of banana tea, which is just where you take a banana and you boil it in water um, and then drink the water. So all the magnesium from the peel and the fruit itself come out through the water. Oh, the entire banana you put in the water. The entire banana. Cut off the stem and the tip, leave the fruit in and the peel on it, ah. and put it into three cups of boiling water for three minutes. Wow. And what about melatonin? Awesome. So let's talk about melatonin. So remember, melatonin is a hormone. Right. And so you don't go down to the local GNC and say, hey, I want to have more, you know, I want to buy testosterone. I mean, maybe you do, but they don't give it to you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hormones are important to look at. Ninety percent of people have the right amount of melatonin in their brain. Ninety percent. OK, mm -hmm. so remember, melatonin is a sleep regulator, not a sleep initiator. <clears throat> so what melatonin does is it doesn't actually make you feel sleepy. It tells your brain it's time for bed. It turns out that those are two completely different separate processes in the brain. But melatonin can be helpful for jet lag. Uh, melatonin can be helpful um, in some kids who are on the spectrum. So we've seen melatonin be very helpful with autistic kids at the three and five milligram dose, but that is a very high dose. Um, normal adults would take somewhere between a half and one and a half milligrams about 90 minutes before bed. Um, and um, again, it's not a sleeping pill. It's not like Ambien. It doesn't make you fall asleep. It just tells your body it's bedtime. Interesting. Okay. That's very helpful to know. And I've learned in this discussion, everything I've been doing has been wrong. <laughs> Seriously though. So helpful. And people can find you at the Any parting words for us? Just stay safe, take it seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. I promise you we're all going to get through this and have some sweet dreams again. 
We really hope some of those tips and information help you sleep a little better tonight. For some of those links Dr. Bruce mentioned, head over to the website, ktla.com slash coronavirusdaily. Just yesterday, you may have seen headlines that L.A. County Health Director Barbara Ferrer says it's likely that stay-at-home orders will be extended another three months. That got a lot of people wound up, but don't lose sleep over it. Tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to clear up some of the confusion caused by misleading headlines. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss that episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform, or you can always listen on ktla.com slash coronavirusdaily. Thanks for listening.